This podcast is sponsored by our fine patrons. To find out how you can support the show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Give a little, get a lot of podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it, it is. is so much more. So much more. So much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and amazing discussions from fans just like you. I think if we ever get nominated for a Golden Globe, uh, which now that I've watched BoJack Horseman, I realize you can be a book and get nominated for a Golden Globe, apparently. Uh, I think our writing award would go to the fans. I think so, too, because they do so much for us. Best writer of a genre podcast goes to you, the listener. The fans, the listeners, the people who submit all our stories yeah. and all of our discussion topics. You win. In fact, we're giving you our own personal Golden Globes of our hearts. So a book really can win? Uh, that was a was spoiler. That, a joke? Oh. that was an element of season one of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Which I have yet to watch, but I hear it's fantastic. Yeah, the joke is that it's the Golden Globes. They're you know kind of loose with the rules. Loosey-goosey. That sounded weird. Okay, so uh, the one thing the fans don't contribute to the show is the what are we drinking segment. Tom, what I mean, are you drinking? They could. They could. They could. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to, prepared to put that on them just yeah. yet. Yeah, I don't know if it's legal in some states. Uh, I'm, I'm actually drinking tea today. A nice Yorkshire gold. Mm-hmm. Tasty, tasty. Pourquoi? Uh, just a little afternoon lift. I took a nap. See, I didn't get a chance to take a nap. I'd take the dogs for a walk, publish Daily Tech News Show, so I needed tea. Since you took a nap, what are you drinking? I'm drinking some slightly sour red wine. Why is it slightly sour? It has seen better days. (laughs) Why are you drinking it then? Because it's open. Wow. Yeah. Is that what desperation sounds like? Drinking spoiled wine. (laughs) I had a lot of stuff to do today. I was tired. No. No, you don't. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. But let's jump right into the quick burns. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy for Chuck Wendig. Uh, I have already been very excited to read his upcoming Star Wars book, Aftermath, which, by Mm -hmm. the way, comes out September 4th. But now, thanks to Sandra, who posted this in the quick burns thread on Goodreads, we know he's going to write an entire trilogy that takes place between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Yeah, this was a big deal. I I think he talked about some of this, too, at Comic-Con. He was on a lot of Star Wars panels at Comic-Con. I had a very, like, got to hang out with cool people at Comic-Con for the day that I was there. I had lunch with Chuck, who's doing this Star Wars trilogy. I had lunch with Gary Whitta, who is also a cool Star Wars guy. I felt very, like, you know, in the fold. Oh, Veronica? In the snuggles of Star Wars. If you look down by your chair... I think you dropped some names. Oh, did I? Did I? Yeah. Oh, I also hung out with Sam Sykes mm. and I saw the the partnership duo of James S.A. Corey, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham. You saw James S. and A. Corey? Yes. <laughs> do you yes, know what? Do they have a part of the name assigned to them? Or is no, it just... but the I think the S.A. is Daniel's yeah. daughter. Right. No, I remember them saying something like that. Right. And uh, and and it's like a band name. 
Indeed. Yeah, I know that they, they were great. They're super excited about the sci-fi show, but I'm digressing. Yeah, this is exciting news for Chuck, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about those. I don't read Star Wars books, though, so I feel like I should, maybe. But I was going to say that what's stopping you on September 4th from picking this up? It's not like you have to have read all the other Star Wars books. You know, Kevin Hearn wrote a Star Wars book, too, though. Did he? Oh, yeah. I guess I did know that. Yeah, you knew that. I did know that. We've talked about that. So there's no reason not to read a Star Wars book. I know. Maybe, well, maybe we'll do it as a pick. Who knows? That would be fun. September is... Well, but September might be a, your pick. I guess you could pick it. I guess so. Wow, you're... Yeah, I guess that's only two months away, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It oh, took me a second there, too. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, James has the article about the Shannara Chronicles trailer, which has just been released. I had seen... I, I saw the trailer, the Comic-Con trailer. Is this the same one? It must be. Yeah, we haven't done a... Sh- here, here's what that's you're forgetting. Right. Okay, we, we haven't, haven't done, done a, show. a show. since before Comic-Con. So all wow. the Comic-Con news is news. Is in this show for now. the purposes of okay. this episode. <laughs> So I watched the trailer, the trailer that they released around Comic-Con. Yes, that's the one we're talking about. It looks pretty good. Did you watch it? I was stunned, actually. By how I, good it looked. I, 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 I love, and I know I know we, when we interviewed Terry Brooks, said it's Shannara, but everybody in the trailer called it Shannara, but whatever. I'm going to say Shannara now because that's how he told me to say it. That's how Terry Brooks told me to say it. Oh, drop the name. Drop the name again. Just get a little little pile of names down here. I was stunned how good how good it looked. Uh, and not and I didn't mean I didn't expect it to look bad, but it's MTV, right? And I've seen Teen Wolf, which is on MTV. <laughs> I, that's my expectation for production values. This looks amazing. This looks like the Lord of the Rings, and they shot it in New Zealand, so I think they're going for that. I, I cannot wait. I, this they is did, something, yeah. if I don't have MTV at that point that it comes out next year, I think January, I will just buy it. I think that's pretty cool. It. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be very teen feeling. All the, the three main characters are all of teen age or sure. so. That's true to the book. Though. Yeah, so, well, that's yeah. true to the second book, as yeah. far as I know. This is not the, the story picks up here at book two. If they start a band and then go live in a house together... Then I may drop it. Yeah. They've got, yeah, it's a human, an elf, and a half-elf, half-human. The real world Shannara. That would be funny. When a human, an elf, and a half-elf. That's pretty good, Tom. Live together in Manhattan. I'm laughing at your joke. Thank you. I'm glad you think it's funny. Good. Hey, Nick pointed out that uh, Warner Brothers, MGM, and Lionsgate are among pretty much all of the studios that are fighting over Patrick Rothfuss's mega best-selling fantasy novel, The Name of the Wind. There was a Hollywood Reporter uh, article about that. They're actually trying to get an option on the entire King Killer Chronicles series. And we uh, we have a uh, another report that the third episode in the Max Temkin, Pat Rothfuss podcast was recorded at Comic-Con. And there's a nice chunk in the middle of it where Max and Pat talk about him having endless meetings with people about King Killer Chronicles and how he feels about turning it over to someone to turn it into a television series. Yeah. Or a film. Man, I like to think about the meetings that Patrick Rothfuss is in because the way he interacts with people, I just, I love the idea of him in like a Hollywood ass meeting. Right, right. And Patrick being like, this is not going to fly. Like, this is bullshit. Like I, I can just like feel the way he would be talking to these Hollywood okay, do you people, remember, and it kind of cracks me up. 
and and folks, you can this is not name dropping because you can go watch this. Go and actually the Terry Brooks thing you can go watch too. Go watch the episode that Patrick Rothfuss did, uh, where he where we were talking about the Hobbit movie and he kind of made a surprise appearance and talked about how he felt his trepidation about the Hobbit movie. Mm-hmm. That's how I imagine him talking to Hollywood executives. Yeah. I'm also still kind of sad for for Max that his name doesn't get to be in the podcast title. I think Max seems <laughs> cool with it. I guess. It just makes me sad. I don't know why. Have you listened to this episode? Nope. I've listened to most of it now. And there's a great anecdote Pat tells about how he got like hyped up on coffee during one of the meetings mm-hmm. and got in a like, according to him, fist slamming on the table argument about how his books could never possibly be made into a movie. He's like, just give up. Just <laughs> yeah. F all There's this. There's no way you could make this into a movie. I want to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to head over there right now. I'm going to subscribe to this podcast. That's a good idea. And we'll have a link directly to this episode in the show notes as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, moving on. Uh, Ethan writes that Jim Hines is quitting his job to write full time. He goes on to say, yeah, if you haven't read anything of his, pick up Libriomancer, a quick and fun urban fantasy. This series is up there with Dresden for me. We've had Jim on the show before. He's amazing. Um, This is a very exciting move. It's a big move for any author, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And he worked in, what was it? He worked in the state of Michigan doing software I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Department of Transportation IT support. He was fixing computers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he doesn't go into how he was able to do this. He says some of it's kind of family related and private, but he's very excited because I didn't realize this. And maybe he talked about this when we talked to him. He had an agreement when he took the job at the Department of Transportation that he could write from 12 to 1 during his job every day. Oh. And that is when he has done most of his writing. One hour at lunch. At lunch. At work. He has to eat lunch day. and also write at the same yeah. time. That's intense. That's yeah. a lot of work. So congratulations, Jim. That's yeah. fantastic. I, I'm excited to see if this, you know, changes your the you know your writing style or the amount. I mean, I guess it changes everything. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm excited to see how this changes you. All this free time. All this free time that you're like sitting around your house eating bonbons, <laughs> not writing urban fantasy novels do you think he just continues to eat from or eat to uh to write while he eats from 12 to 1 that would be really funny it's just my habit he's like the rest of the day is just me time i could i can go to 115 today wow it's amazing (laughs) uh sandra has a list of nominees for the 2015 world fantasy awards she says three sword and laser picks are up for best novel the goblin emperor city of stairs and area x a southern reach trilogy chances are good for another sword and laser winner yeah, man. We pick them. We know how to pick them. Now, at the same time, Andrew P. in our Quick Burns thread mm-hmm. said that that must mean that we're going downhill. <gasps> are we Are we getting too mainstream? Yeah. Is that what he's saying? He's like, we're just picking <gasps> the stuff everybody else reads. Oh, my God. To which I say Lee Brackett didn't win any awards this year. <laughs> no, certainly did not. <laughs> <laughs> Though I am gonna, I am gonna kind of continue that thread. I think with our, with our August pick that we will discuss later in the episode. Well, um, and uh, yeah, because we've not picked, a deep cut. <laughs> it's uh, it's unusual for us, but we have gone through a streak of picking more recently published books this year, uh, which is why I, I think for my poll, and a lot of them have been polls, mind you. Have so they? You guys picked. I don't Station pay attention. 11, not me. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. I'm going right. to do a poll for the August pick, and I mentioned this before, where I'm going to pick a book, like a, a I'm going to pick a like shoot 'em up space sci-fi book from four four or five different decades. I haven't decided, uh, and let you pick what era we're going to read out of. Okay. But anyway, yeah, Goblin Emperor, City of Stairs, Ariax, the Southern Reach trilogy, all things that we've read that are nominated. Uh, although we actually read the first of the Southern Reach trilogy, and Area X is the one nominated here. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bone Clocks by David Mitchell, I read for another book club in December. Uh, and My Real Children by Joe Walton is at least a heritage, because we, we've read Joe Walton before. And I'm happy that my friend John Joseph Adams is up for Special Award Professional for Editing Anthologies and Nightmare and Lightspeed Magazines. Very so contracts, con- contracts, contracts. Con- that's a contractual obligation <laughs> to congratulate someone. Contracts. The sour wine is like extra fermented, <laughs> or something, or something. Or is that wine? Are you sure you didn't just grab vinegar? Oh, that would be way worse. Uh, also, I want to thank Andy. I I had skipped uh, the credit in our show notes for Andy, who's the one who pointed out the link to the Pat Rothfuss, the unnamed Pat Rothfuss podcast. So. All right. Thank you, Andy. We have more award news coming from Mark. He says the British Fantasy Awards 2015 nominees include City of Stairs and Station Eleven in the horror category. Yeah, it's the fantasy. So th- the fantasy novels uh, that they're nominating are City of Stairs in mm-hmm. fantasy, Cuckoo Song, A Man Lives Dreaming, The Moon King, The Relic Guild, and Breed. But then they have for horror, The End, The Girl with All the Gifts, The Last Plague, no One Gets Out Alive, The Unquiet House, and Station Eleven. I don't think Station Eleven is any more horror than science fiction, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's apocalypse, post-apocalypse. I, mm. I don't think it fits neatly in either category. It doesn't fit neatly in a category. Yeah, well, I guess I'm, I'm happy it's nominated. Uh, but yeah, but, I'm a little confused by the designation there. We'll talk about Station Eleven later, but having finished it now, I feel more comfortable with it as science fiction the only way it's horror, though, is because there's a plague. Yeah. There's not like a zombie thing. And I guess I guess the... The, the plague itself the prophet, is kind of scary. But the prophet is kind of a horror-ish. He's just a bad guy. He's kind of a Stephen King character, don't you think? No, not really. Have you read The Stand? No. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mark That's goes the way on to, to say, win every argument, by the way. Have you done this thing well, that have I have? Well, have you read it? No? Oh, well, then I win. Tough That's a stupid way noogies. to win an argument. Uh, Mark the only reason I brought say, up the stand is there's a similar character to the prophet. Oh, really? Stand. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we should read it sometime. It's horror. <laughs> For the third time, Mark goes on to say, one of the film TV episodes nominated is Under the Skin, one of the oddest movies I've ever seen. All right. I have not seen it. I have it either. Oh. Sounds odd. Well, thank you guys, as usual, for picking all of our quick burns. If you want to submit a story for the quick burns, head over to goodreads.com slash the sword and laser. Or no, goodreads.com slash sword and laser. Just sword and laser. Just sword and laser. And head into the quick burns thread. And we uh, stay up to date on those. And you guys are awesome. Thank you. Uh, But now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Michael wrote in and said, long time list listener, first time caller. (laughs) I noticed your picks linked to Amazon and was wondering, do you guys have a straight link that would give you guys credit for any purchases? I could guess, but looking at what's the same, but would rather be sure so you get credit. 
Wife's a Prime member, and we are both pretty good Amazon customers. If I could use a link to help you guys out some more, all the better. You guys just missed my PS4 purchase. No! Oh. Uh, well, thank you, Michael. That's very kind of you. Uh, he's also one of our 500 patrons, so thank you, boss. Uh, little known fact, or maybe not known as much fact, any Amazon link that is a referral, if you click on it and then buy something after you've hit that link, even if you don't buy the thing that was linked to, gives us credit. Yeah, I think if it's in the same session, yeah, we should still technically get credit for it. So um, I've seen some weird link. stuff on our Amazon referral right? page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and not, oh, not. it's fun. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good times. Uh, I so will have yeah, to check and see if there's a PS4 in there. If you do go to our picks page, click on any of those Amazon links, and then buy something else, we get credit for it. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Michael. That is awesome. Uh, moving on, we have a email from Frederick uh, who says, yes, no, maybe. You know, Veronica, you're an excellent company. Over here in Trondheim, the yes knowing is a thing we've been doing since the dawn of time, or as long as I can remember, and who's counting. And funny thing, when listening to Among Others, thanks to you guys, I got a smile out of hearing that vocal quirk described as a characteristic of the North Welsh dialect. Dialect. Uh, so throw away your embarrassment and embrace your expressionistic ambivalence. And it generally doesn't mean either yes, no, or maybe. It's just a bit of verbal padding to keep the thought in place until you shoot your mouth off. All right, that makes me yeah, feel a little better. No. Yeah, I no, I, I totally get it. I have some Welsh uh, in my heritage. Not a ton, but I have some. Do you? No, not that I know of. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Really, no. Really, I think yeah, there is something no. linguistically going on with verbal padding mm -hmm. that is interesting. There are different verbal paddings that we use for different purposes, but Frederick kind of nailed it there. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. It's like saying, uh... It's just it's that a yeah, little no better than also uh. has other meetings. They're synonyms for yes and no. <laughs> but in <laughs> Which this can case, make it confusing yeah. sometimes, I guess. I hope I said Trondheim correctly. Sure. Trondheim? Trondheim? Trondheim. 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 I think because we're not German, we could probably get away with saying Trondheim. Trondheim. Right? Okay. Sorry. Trogdor. <laughs> Burninate you. Oh, Trogdor. My favorite. Well, should we talk? Uh, should we wrap up? Well, should Station we? Eleven. I guess well, we first should talk about our book pick for August, and then if you haven't listened, right. uh, or if you don't want to hear any spoilers for Station Eleven uh, after we talked about our next book pick, you can, you know, buzz off for a little while. Buzz off ready. loud. Buzz off loud. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uprooted by Naomi Novik has been picked by dictatorial choice. Picked it. It's been picked it, eh? Yep. Yeah. Um, dictated it. That's I, the T talking. As people noticed, uh, people started speculating after the last episode that perhaps this would be the pick for August. Um, I don't know why. Is it because I said it was another female author and a newish book? Is it because she said, I'm thinking of picking up Rooted? But I did I mean, say that? I, I don't, don't know, know if I'm I did. Just, I don't even remember. It'd just be funny if people went back and like, well, you said that well, you, you might Well, you did pick say that you were going to pick that specifically for August. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I have been wanting to read this very badly. Um, I'm a huge Naomi Novik fan. Uh, we, uh, Temeraire was an alt pick uh, the month that we read uh, 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 History of Dragons uh, by Marie Brennan. Natural History of Dragons. Right. And we don't count the alt picks, by the way. We don't. We, we acknowledge they exist for people, but they don't, they don't go in our 
actual list, except for there's been a couple occasions where we uh, officially recognized an alt pick, but most of the time it's just like, oh, cool, you guys want to do a go rogue, pick another book, great, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this one. Uh, let me read the description to you from oh, Amazon. Oh, wow. They really picked quite an interesting uh, character name for the main character. Let's see if I can get it right. Probably not. Agnieszka. 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 I'm listening to the audiobook. So. Oh, so I was kind of right? Yeah, Agnieszka. Agnieszka. Agnieszka loves her valley home, her quiet village, the forest, and the bright shining river. But the corrupted wood stand on the border, full of malevolent power, and the shadow lies and its shadow lies over her life. Her people rely on the cold driven wizard known only as the dragon to keep its power at bay. But he demands a terrible price for his help. One young woman handed over to serve him ten years, a fate almost as terrible as falling to the wood. The next choosing is fast approaching, and Agnieszka is afraid. She knows, everyone knows, that the dragon will take Kaisa. Kaisa? I can't remember now. I think Kaisa. Kaisa? Beautiful, graceful, Kaisa? brave Kaisa. All the things Agnieszka isn't, and her Kaisa. dearest friend in Kaisa? the world. And there is no way to save her. But Agnieszka fear, fears the wrong things, for when the dragon comes, it is not Kesa he will choose. Gee, I wonder who he chooses Who's based he on choose? that description. So this kind of sounds like a dragon-y Hunger Games, but only because there's a choosing. I'm much farther in the book. And I'm it's in, not at all and like I didn't Hunger mean Games. To. Yeah. I just started listening to it. Mm-hmm. I bought the audiobook after you you chose it, and I just started listening to it because I wanted to you know, hear the beginning of it, and mm-hmm. I just got sucked right in. Oh, good. You like it. It's really good. And it's interesting to me that you have now picked two books, City of Stairs and this one, that have, like, Russian influence hmm. to them. But it is not what you think. That's all I'll say. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah, and I- even even the thi- people out there who are like, that description spoils it. Mm-hmm. It sort of spoils one very minor thing, possibly, for you, if you're guessing right. But does there's lots more to come. Gotcha. Um, all right. So we, that is that is our book pick for uh, for August. Um, so you can head over into Goodreads and start chit chatting about that when you guys feel ready. We're giving you a little advance warning. Uh, still seven or eight days left in the month. Uh, but I'm excited about this. I love Naomi Novik. We've we've had her on the show. Uh, she's great, and I think this is going to be a fun read. Yeah. And uh, just a note before we move into spoiler territory. Uh, this is obviously because it's the 23rd. This is our last show before August, which is why we're going to wrap up Station Eleven. We do have, uh, we'll mention this again, Scott Sigler in a special live hangout to talk about a live on Friday at 5.15 p.m. Pacific. That will also go in our feed. And then July 31st, we're doing a show at Nerdtacular in Salt Lake City, which will go in our feed. And then we'll be back to normal for part of August, and then we'll be at DragonCon in Atlanta at the uh, very first week of September. All bets are off. Anything's yeah. possible. You'll get um, lots of surprise and wonder in your feed. I actually said the hangout was going to start at 5.30. I, I know oh. we said 5.15, but I thought that would give us some time to set up. Oh, even better. Yeah. yeah. So if you show up at 5.15, you might see some pre-show or maybe not, but we'll definitely get started by 5.30. Absolutely. All right. Let us wrap up Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, I loved this book. I thought it was great. I did too. Did you? I did. I enjoyed it. I still am not resolved whether it really belongs in Sword and Laser or not. <laughs> no. Uh, no. 
But by the end, I felt better about that than not, because there is a very good post-apocalyptic story that is, I think, right up there with what Sigler does, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, um, oh, Shannon McGuire, Shannon McGuire does, uh, that that counts to be at least in the genre. And maybe that's another place where it kind of overlaps into horror. I think the idea of that comic book feels very David Mitchell and we've read Cloud Atlas, obviously Bone Clocks we talked about earlier. Yeah. So it lives on the border of our genre, but it's also got a very mainstream relationship oriented story, which I think is very good and I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean you're not the first person I saw on the forums compare it to Cloud Atlas because of the intertwining storylines. Um so that was that was that was pretty neat, I thought. Um Although I was curious, you know, I, I didn't really feel like Jeevan's storyline kind of caught up with the other other storylines in it quite the same way. It does sort of just kind of touch the fringes, right? Because right. it's it's he runs into the prophet, and mm-hmm. I think what happened, if if I'm interpreting right, Emily St. John Mandel didn't want his run into with the prophet to be the last time you saw him. So she gives you a little like, and here's his little happy ending. Over yeah, here. it was very, it got wrapped up very nicely. <laughs> yeah. Though I felt like we had been separated from him for so long because right. everyone else kind of got their, their story told a little bit. We kind of saw where they ended up and we saw the beginning of Jeevan's story. But then at the end, we're just like, okay, well, looks like he made it out okay. He's, you know, in a town. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. He's kind of the doctor. Um, but that's, yeah, we didn't get to hear the, how he got there part of his tale. Yeah. We just kind of skipped over that, which is, is okay. I mean, you can kind of guess a lot of it, I suppose. It's more similar to David Mitchell's bone clocks than cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas has that that. circular story. Mm -hmm. Bone clocks is more of a taking part in different time periods and tying characters back in different roles. And that's kind of what she does with Jeevan. He's got a very important role in certain aspects, but in other aspects, he's a very minor character. And I think that's maybe why it sticks out when you get his little happy ending at the end. You're like, wait, uh, he's, is he a minor character or not? Where, where, where have you been? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's the first character you really know. And then he's kind of, yeah. I, I thought that was that was kind of bizarre. But yeah, Arthur Leander is definitely the tie that binds all the storylines together. And he was an interesting character, too, I thought, because he's not at all in the second half of the story. He does not make it to the apocalypse. He dies right on the edge. Uh, but everyone is tied together through his story. And he's dead. And he's right? dead. I mean, that's the, the most amazing part is you're absolutely 100% right. And he's dead. And yet he's still tied into everyone's post-apocalyptic story, which I think is an achievement I, I, because she makes it work. Yeah, um, but even otherwise, the paperweight. Yeah, I think the story is really times. about the paperweight. For that's Arthur. that's the true crux of this whole thing, is we should just carry around the the detritus of our day to day lives just in case something horribly horribly terrible goes wrong. Right. Just so you can have that one thing. I'm gonna get the little. I'm gonna have the little harbor seal. I'm sorry, the little sea lion that I bought from the aquarium of the, of the Pacific. Last week, that's going to be my bit of detritus. Oh, that's your post-apocalyptic legacy. Yeah. What What would be your your item? What would you carry with you from from the normal world? Oh, that's from a, the before time. From the before time to remind me of things past. Yeah. A copy of Remembrance of Things Past. No. No. Too too I, easy. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. What would I? You know, I actually do know. Uh, the Gwyn, uh, which is a little a toy penguin that I bought from October Toys at Comic-Con several years back. He's got a little dollar sign on his chest, and he's got stripes for a head, and he makes me happy. Oh, okay. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Hmm. If someone found that, what would they say about you? They would say, he must have been a baller, and they'd be wrong. <laughs> oh, those big Patreon bucks, Tom. Yeah. Rolling deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spending Washington's. Well, I loved the story of the symphony and just the, the traveling symphony, just the idea that there's this troop of people. And, and I kind of felt like it touched upon some themes from Night Circus Yes, a little bit. There that was a had, bit it of similarity there. That, didn't it? Yeah. Um, written around the same time, so you know, not not influenced by, but just you know, comparatively speaking, similar in theme there with that. But um, yeah, all these people came from different places. Some of them knew each other before. Some of them didn't. Just they were just feral people roaming the uh, the Midwest. I went back and forth whether I thought. The Shakespeare wrote during plague times, and so that's why we do Shakespeare thing was a stretch. Why? Sometimes I felt like, oh, that's really cool because the themes of Shakespeare's time would resonate better in that time. And at other points, I felt like, no, nobody would care about Shakespeare at that point. They've just been through survival. Like, they would pick lots of different things. They wouldn't have enough Shakespeare. I don't know. No, I don't know. I think it's those themes are still true, you know, no matter what's going on in the rest of the world. Themes of love and betrayal. So what about The Walking Dead? Maybe they could find some Walking Dead scripts and put those on. That would be a little dark. <laughs> okay. But it'd make them feel better. Like, hey, at least we don't have zombies. They did say that in the book. I know. Could be worse. We could have zombies. I liked that. I liked that yeah, little that bit of, of, of nod to the zombie apocalypse tales that we're so familiar with. Because they're like, yeah. Oh, that plague happened. Whew, thank God we don't have zombies. Yeah, it could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. Could always be worse. But I think it, it you know, I, I think for the first time we kind of had a, a trigger warning post in the forums where someone made a post being like, hey, if, if, if flu epidemics scare you, don't read this book. And I was like, huh. Really? Okay. That's interesting. Well, but that would seem to be an issue for all books. If alien invasions you know, potential scares you, don't read this book. I mean... But is that too... Or, I mean, is it just interesting because... If a biological Something that could definitely probably you, happen. The Southern Reach trilogy. I mean, alien invasions could potentially happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know why what I we did? shouldn't signal the aliens. I'm dumb. I just bought the audiobook version of Uprooted, but I own the hardback behind me. Why did I do that? So that you can listen to the amazing Russian-accented audiobook while you page through the hardback. Mm. Huh? Mm. Huh? Does not have whisper sync on the hardback. No, that's true. <laughs> that <laughs> would be Screwed myself thing. there. Oh, well, anyway. Um, so, yeah, overall, I, I thought this was great. We have some really fun comments on the forums about this book. Um, for example, this one titled Details Matter over on goodreads.com. This was written by Ruth. She says, to start with, let me say that I love the book. This isn't a dump on the book thread. That said, with this kind of realistic imagining of the apocalypse, I find it often the little details that throw me out of a story in disbelief, even though I'm more than used to suspending that disbelief for a whole host of unlikely things in other kinds of books. Um, so I will jump down to where 
she said, uh, for me, the detail that bothered me came in one of the discussions about education towards the end of the book. It is mentioned that post-apocalypse children, quote, understood dots on maps, but even teenagers were confused by the lines. There had been countries and borders. It was hard to explain. Now, I know that it's not a massive thing, but I just couldn't for the life of me imagine why. Countries and borders are already fairly abstract concepts when you think about it, but it seems like if you know one place is called one thing and you know another is called something else, you naturally begin to wonder where one becomes the other. Defining spaces is something we do naturally as kids. Think of all the playground games with safe zones that are usually completely arbitrary. I cannot think what a flu epidemic would have done to change this. Ooh, see... I think there's a principle in all, and this is maybe evidence why this is fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. In all fantasy and science fiction where if the projected behavior doesn't fit with your expectation, you find it unbelievable. But this is perfectly believable to Mm -hmm. me. And maybe that's just my own prejudice, right? But borders are a fairly recent invention in history. In, in most of human history, there was your town over there and our town over here. And if you had a border, it was something like a river or forest. It wasn't a line. Right. There wasn't this idea of map making where we're like, we just draw a line. Whereas those of us who grew up in this era have grown up looking at maps since we were at the very beginning that were relevant and being told, yes, Missouri ends there and Illinois begins here. And I remember the first time we drove in, into St. Louis. Well, actually, it might have been into Kentucky. And I thought I was like, where's the line? And, then, you know, my parents are laughing because I'm a little kid. And they're like, there isn't actually a line, you know, a line on the ground. It's just an l- imaginary line. So it was the opposite of what they're talking about in the book. But I could entirely see why children who didn't have defined political boundaries, all they had were villages, would be like, what would a line mean? Like, there's that village and there's this village and then mm-hmm. the other village. What do you need a line for? Okay. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Um, another topic that people were pointing out was the confusion as to, uh, Thane mentioned this, but isn't it kind of weird that, I mean, not everyone was dead. There were still people around. Weren't, wouldn't there be enough electrical engineers or people familiar with how computers work or electronics or, you know, anything technical to be able to kind of get systems back online. I mean, we kind of have a hint of that at the end where we see the town off in the distance with lights. But I feel like with that amount of time that we would have gotten more stuff up and running. Yeah, I thought about that too. And she even makes a point of talking about, well, maybe in California with all that sun, they Mm -hmm. were able to get solar power going. And I'm like, they have enough sun in Michigan there's sun the in most places, I mean. To, to make some solar power work, at least in the summer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it, that actually was the only thing that brought me out of it because she brought it up. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Michigan's got sun. I mean, yeah, maybe not power year round because of, of winter. But if there, there and there are plenty of solar houses in other parts of right. the North American continent. So, yeah, I kind of wonder about that. I mean, I guess I could I could buy that the engineers would be so much more distracted with survival and there wouldn't necessarily be enough of them and they don't have all the parts and people are more worried about crops than they are with oil and 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 steel that it would take a while to settle down enough and get sustainable enough with the basics of living that you might not get the big engines running but 
I feel like solar is around enough that somebody would have like, hey, that house has solar panels. We can run computers in there. Yeah. And there's there's a great Cory Doctorow book called When Sysadmins Ruled the Earth about that very thing where there's a kind of a collapse of society, but they're able to keep the internet running through ingenuity. And wasn't that, there was a show about this, wasn't there? Um, oh. Are you talking about the one where, where electricity goes away, but yeah. then there's a secret group that knows how to keep the electricity working right that was, yeah it was a t i don't remember what it was called i'm sure you you the you, person you out, out there, there who's like i know what it's called i watch that show smart. you fools <laughs> um yeah i can't remember the name of it right now i want to say it's like unpowered but it's not <laughs> well now everyone's gonna email us so <laughs> now we'll good know. i like emails i love it when you guys email me do that more often just don't start it with you you forgot this or the show the show that you couldn't remember just tell us the why name. just no they can say whatever they want well yeah they're they giving can. us free information just i nice. could i could google it right now but i don't want to make the clickety clackety noise while i'm recording so i'm not going to i'm gonna make the clickety clackety noise don't don't ruin it let them send their emails they can keep sending it i won't say what it is fine anyway <laughs> you just have to know now i found it what is it no, I'm not going to Now I want to know. You want the emails. No, I don't. I don't care it's anymore. Revolution. Revolution. That seems like a dumb name for a show about that. Well, yeah. Should have been called Unpowered. <laughs> That's why you need to I'm work not in good Hollywood. at this. I'm not good at this. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up. Do you have anything else you want to say about Station 11? Oh, no, I thought we had, uh, we had the other post from Adam talking about uh, it reminding him of Cloud Atlas. Uh, both we took did. a very personal approach to the end of the apocalypse. Both stories had strong interconnecting of the main characters. I loved reading it in Cloud Atlas, and I almost loved reading it more in Station 11, as this connection to Arthur and Dr. 11 both drove and tied the individual character plots, giving hope or pain or fear as each character was affected by their past. You didn't miss it, Tom, because I'd taken it out of the show notes because we kind of already talked about it. Well, I... But you wanted... But I think that's nice had that you, you had it open. open. That's so good for, Good of you. Put it back. Okay. Because now I read it. I will hit... Thanks, Adam. Alt-Z. There you go. Back in the show notes. Oh, nice it's work. magic. It's Revolution. like it never didn't it almost happen. Revolution. <laughs> that show is called Unpowered. It's like undeclared, but in the apocalypse... All right. Well, that kind of wraps things up then. Uh, so yeah, as we mentioned, we have Scott Sigler on tomorrow. That uh, episode will go up into the feed. We're going to be talking about his new YA novel, Alive, which I have Alive. read and blurbed and enjoyed. And I hope you guys will as well. And then we're going to be at Nerdtacular on July 31st at 4.30 p.m. And of course, at DragonCon in September. I think we're going to be on, what day is that that we're recording at DragonCon? I think it's Saturday because that's when Justin's wedding is. And yes. we're, the, we're the panel before Justin Robert Young's wedding so that friendly people are in there to get out. Yeah, so we're looking all get... the way into, um, this is September 5th we're talking about now. Because that, uh, yeah, it comes a little bit later in the year uh, this time around, um, Dragon Con. Usually it's like the 1st or 2nd, 31st, 2nd. Now it's like well into September for that holiday weekend. So, yeah, should be a good time, though. Love it. Um, but, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, well, first, let's talk about Patreon. Uh, we love you guys, our patrons, who help support the show. Uh, if you want to contribute a little bit, a lot of bit, get our special monthly silliness at the $20 level, you mm. can do so at patreon.com slash laser. 
You can also support the show, as we mentioned, by buying books or perhaps coffee mugs or whatever you Ooh. want through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Or your more expensive options like PS4s. Yes, if you're buying a new television from Amazon. Or luggage. Click on Uprooted by Naomi Novik first. <laughs> and if you want to flood me with your emails, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is, as always, swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you very soon. See you soon. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.